0: Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. So much to break down this week. The All Blacks doing their thing, winning the Rugby Championship again, when a lot of people just really didn't see that coming, apart from the two blokes in the big screen. We've got a fair bit to go as well with referee chat. How are all these teams stacking up worldwide? We've got the Black Ferns as well to have a quick chat about. We're approaching the National Provincial Championship quarterfinals as well. A lot to break down. Guys in the big screen, Jipper, you left me alone this week. I, 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 I even showered, so, you know, <laughs> to make it a bit easier on you this time. Brenner as well over in Japan. Thanks for joining me, guys. Wow. The All Blacks, you both picked it. You both said they were going to win the rugby championship. You know, weeks and weeks ago, you were getting slayed in the comment section. And here we are. I'm just going to give you both a chance to say I told you so if you want to. Brenner, would you like to say it?
2: Yeah, I was just gonna. Thankfully, you said that, Ross, because I believe you actually had the Wallabies winning uh, the Britain championship. I
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I was pretty, uh, pretty strong about it too from, <laughs> from memory. So I'll take that on the chin because they didn't really come close in the end.
3: You'll, you'll still remain the people's champion, Ross. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Uh, I think I'll, I'll still get uh, plenty of comments in my inbox. Uh, Unsavoury <laughs> comments, let's say. Yeah,
0: it's true. Either way, it worked out well for the All Blacks. They made their changes. They brought in Joe Schmidt. They brought in Jason Ryan. And things started getting better. I mean, who's to know whether that is the absolute catalyst to what happened here? But Jipper, do you think that in the end, that was the difference within this championship for the All Blacks winning it?
3: I think if you look at the... The Areas they were brought in to improve, certainly, um, they've, they've done so on that. And I think for Schmidt, you know, people are like, you know, what, what has he added? It's more what he's simplified. Uh, the, way, the way I see it is like there's been a real clear focus on the breakdown, um, you know, the ball carry, wind collisions first, let's clear bodies, let's play at speed. Um, and then the other, the other aspect I think that he's, um, you know, got the best out of this playing group is bodies in motion. I just feel like okay. it's that ability to be able to pull trigger twenty four seven. It's bought the best out of Richie. It's brought the best out of David Havili. Geordie Barrett is obviously a revelation as well, and I think you know Rico Yuani at the moment is just on fire in the thirteen jersey. But it's off the back of that clarity and focus around that breakdown for those uh, men in numbers one to eight that has been the big difference. It's given, um, I suppose, the backs the time and the ability to have the bodies in motion and manipulate defence and find the space that we've seen, particularly um, against the Wallabies last two weeks.
2: I think, you know, attacking side, you know, we always talked about uh, previously when we were losing test matches, we weren't able to give the likes of Rico Ioane and even the likes of our outside backs to be able to influence games. And so, um, you know, having that bodies in motion, you even look at Will Jordan's try, um, you know, those kind of subtle changes around everybody being on the same roll and being able to um, ask questions of defence, which we didn't see a lot. but. Now, that started at the, the collision era and the breakdown. And so, you know, the last probably three test matches, we've seen a constant improvement in that. And that's probably where the game is at the moment. have got to be able to win collisions and that efficiency at the breakdown. Um, and so I think, you know, the only times we didn't get there up, we didn't adapt to the ref. And the changes of the ref is probably one thing that I'd like to think going into the Northern Hemisphere, they might need to go and challenge. And um, probably be a good introduction to be for the Rugby World Cup to see how those refs um, ref games, because it is different. And then I think also the set piece defensively, uh, the line-out more defence, you know, in the first part of the of the championship, you know, there were a lot of times that our, our more was under pressure defensively, uh, but, you know, with the likes of Jason Ryan coming in, you know, there hasn't been a line-out more that's been scored since he's been there, and actually on the weekend as well, being able to score three line-out more tries um, is very tough to do at the international level, so I think that's the greatest thing about that, you know, the changes that have been made, um, you know, it was 50-50 for a while there, Fozzie was going to keep his job or not, but Thankfully, with the likes of Joe Smith and Jason Ryan coming in the All Blacks um, game, which we've wanted to see for, you know, probably for the last 12 months. And so very pleasing and um, I guess a well-deserved break now. And then um, coming to the Northern Hemisphere Tour, you want to see the improvements and continue to keep winning Test matches and have that consistency, uh, which we've been craving for.
0: Where does that put them now when you have a look at what they've done? They've won the Rugby Championship. And in doing that, they've beaten Argentina and Australia, or they lost to Argentina once. They're ranked eighth and ninth in the world. The Springboks are ranked third in the world. What does this actually mean, considering what we know about Ireland and what we know about France?
3: Yeah, look, I got asked this question on Sunday at a a Club Life members' luncheon. Um, and, and, And I suppose for me, what I said is, I think it's a really dangerous spot for us to be in um, I think it's really exciting you know we're so used to going into World Cups as favourites at the moment people aren't expecting much of us and I just think you do that at, um, yeah, it's very dangerous to have an all black team with nothing to lose not a lot of expectation going up to a World Cup um, in France uh, and I just feel we're making improvements week on week in, in the critical mm. areas like, like Bryn said set pieces one but it, you know If you look at the South African-Argentinian game, the the Springboks won the breakdown, they win the game. So often, it's the teams that win the breakdown will win the game, Um, and I feel we've got a little bit of our mojo back, Um, and I think we're in a good place, I I genuinely do, and I I like that the rest of the world isn't expecting much of us, because I think it will bring the best out of us in terms of that backs against the wall, nothing to lose mentality.
0: What questions were answered for you, Bryn, maybe selection-wise during this series for the All Blacks? Because heading into the series, there were a lot of questions about the loose forwards, about who will play 10. So where do you think those questions were answered?
2: Well, I think, I think the the propping um, duo of Tyra Lomax and um, Ethan Groot has just been a revelation for us. You know, two guys that weren't picked at the party there and you probably think um, ending last year there were a lot of questions around the ability of our props and being able to uh, be mobile and being able to I guess play like the Irish and being able to have that skill set and so I think those two men have came in and done a really good job and probably even more so at set-piece as well, being dominant even on the weekend as well. Um, you know, degree and Lomax we were great around that, and we haven't even talked about Tokiaho and what he's brought, he, what he's brought into the environment with his rugby championship. But then um, I think as well you've had a continuation of, of the midfield pairing. Um, you've had Rico and David, even though Geordie was outstanding on the weekend and probably um, it's going to be food for thought moving moving forward with what his position might be at twelve. Um, getting that opportunity but um, you know with the likes of Richie and Aaron and Davey been able to I guess implement um, a triple threat option um, you know we've seen games and test matches that the kicking game has been really great and been able to have that kind of attacking kicks or even long kicking we've seen improvement in that so you know it's been a continuation having that combination of having those three together it's um, been really good and then um, then I think also the loose wall trio I think there's still a little bit of questions around that you know I think with injury to Shannon Frazelle earlier in, in the season uh, of the Rugby Championship, um, you know I probably think that number six role um, it's still up for grabs in the Northern Hemisphere tour and then even moving forward for next year. But um, I think there has been a continuation of of selection and being able to have that cohesion and being able to bring um, you know some questions that we've had at the start of the year. But I think you know our our popping duos in our, our front row has been really good. And then also the midfield pairing, I think with Dave Enrico, Geordie will be alongside that moving forward. But I think, you know, those are big question marks going into the season, which I think um, has been a constant improvement uh, for the, through the duration of the regular championship.
0: Chip, you are really, really excited about seeing Geordie Barrett in that 12 jersey because of the skill set that he brings. Um, Bryn talked about the triple threat. Do you think that there's a chance that he could jump over the top of David Harvey and take that 12 jersey? considering the extra elements he brings to that position that maybe David doesn't physically?
3: I think um, he comes into um, the conversation, but I think the incumbent is David, to, to be honest. Like, he, he has been a key part in turning things around in that 12 jersey, and, and what he's done is brought the best out of Rico and Richie. Um, so I, th- I think he's probably got the inside runner, but... Geordie's point of difference is his ability to get across that game line because he's such a big body mm. um, and, and he is so physical. So he does have a genuine triple threat, but I don't think um, Davey's ability of carrying is, is that um, far behind to, to potentially warrant him losing his position at this
0: stage. So does Geordie become the second option? I know there are a lot of other guys who are injured and not in the squad right now, but Bryn, is there a chance that Geordie is now the number two cab off the rank at 12?
2: Well, you'd have to say after his performance on the weekend, um, and I think one thing you know that we probably have talked about a lot, and um, you know, you'd have to say that probably isn't the greatest strength of our 12s at the moment, is that ability to be able to get over the advantage line. And look, what that does, and turn off that set piece, whether that be off scrum or especially off line-out, it's a really hard position to be able to get over the advantage line, but you know, a lot of times in that game, you know, Jordy's be able to put us on the front football and, you know, that gives the likes of our forward players to be able to play on front football and even get the ball to the edge due to the fact of those uh, meters and then and defensively as well. You know, that's one of Jordy's biggest strength. He's courageous and tough and has a, br- a real, um, I guess, you know, kind of brutal defensive um, um, tackling. And so that's a really great attribute that he has as well. So, um, for me, yeah, I think, look, I know there has been and I know Anton Leonard-Brown won't be too far away, but look, with what he played on the weekend and what he was able to give you, and probably one thing that we haven't seen a lot in the number 12 jersey, that ability to be able to get over the advantage line consistently. Um, it's one massive strength that, uh, that Geordie can have. And, you know, I guess Ian Foster will have to ponder over the next coming weeks.
0: Mm, not just Ian Foster, I'm thinking towards Super Rugby because this is obviously a lead-up to the World Cup next year. Uh, are you making a phone call to the Hurricanes and saying, look, you've got Ruben Love, Play him at fullback and put Geordie at twelve.
3: They should go that way because I think that's the best for the for the Hurricanes. You know, like you, mm. you need Ruben Love on the field. You need Aiden Morgan on the field. Um, what Geordie can deliver? Yeah, I hate to compare him to Ma'anonu, especially with the Canes, but he is he's the closest thing to um, Ma'anonu since he's he's left the All Blacks. He has the ability of the strong power game, but he's got the finesse. Man, he's got the finesse. Mm. It's um, it's pretty impressive, you know, like, you you know, Ian Foster had come out and said he did not see Geordie at 12 and and that was when he was playing at 12 for the Hurricanes. Um, but Joe Smith obviously um, sees enough and he certainly, man, he's made every post a winner. The last two weeks, like, let's not <clears> forget, <throat> it, he played most of that um, test at 12 the week before and, mm-hmm. and, and he didn't prepare all week to play and the, his ability to adjust in the middle of a high-pressure test match that's going, you know... From end to end, the scores are flipping around, Australia coming back, and he just didn't blink. It was, mm. I think it was the week before that impressed me the most. Um, played really yeah. well at Eden Park, but he had the whole week to do it. But, man, that test in uh, Melbourne, that, that was
2: the real clincher for me to say, man, he's a, he's a genuine 12. The question for me, Jip, um, you know, obviously been in the Blues environment, what that means for Roger Tuvasa Sheik. You know, I think for the fact that Geordie's played really well at 12 and you've got Antoine Leonard-Brown probably not too far away from from, um, from injury. And so, um, you know, I thought maybe they could have got on a little bit earlier. I think, you know, uh, depending – I thought the game was in the uh, – we had the game. And, you know, I think the ability to be able to give maybe 20, 25 minutes actually given them a taste of, like, what it might be to be at number 12. And so, um, you yeah, know, it'll be interesting to see how they go with Rodge because, you know, with Geordie playing well, um, I don't see him really being able to get an opportunity to play. Maybe in a Japan Test match, possibly – um, the early part of the Northern Hemisphere tour, you'd be silly to bet against him.
3: He's a true professional. Mm. Um, he's been to the top of the game at NRL. You know, winning a Deli M is oh, you can't put into words how hard that is. So, um, mm. you know, doing that, uh, winning this uh, NRL Grand Final, he he, he has been in, under pressure before, um, and he'll he'll sense the pressure and he'll be dying for the opportunities. But I think the biggest thing is he's just got to keep getting runs on the board. Um, play as many minutes as he can, in um, the Auckland jersey, the Blues jersey. If he gets an opportunity at All Black level, um, potentially against Japan, maybe Scotland as well. Um, you know, for some decent minutes. I, I I think we the the best is yet to come for, for Roger, and, and he'll be he'll be honing his craft behind the scenes. And, and I think just once he gets that opportunity, he'll be able to pull trigger.
0: If you're looking at the end of your tour strategically. Is it more strategically important to give Geordie Barrett more opportunity to develop in a jersey that he's shown a natural affinity for? Or is it more important to take a guy who, in the eyes of a lot of people, hasn't quite earned this jersey yet? You know, he's he's got it because we know of his pedigree. But he's in that, that squad in order to develop him and give him the chance to take his natural talents maybe to the next level within the most elite squad. Bryn... Are you better off using those chances against Japan or against Scotland for Geordie or for Roger?
2: Oh, it's a, well, again, we're not, you know, privy to having the kind of thoughts around what they're going to be thinking. But I think what it has done, uh, Geordie having the opportunity to perform well in, in two Test matches, um, uh, you know, it gives him a position that you know he can be seen as a 12, and I think, um, you know, with. David Harville coming back and you've got Anto Leonard-Brown um, who might be coming back. Um, you know, if there is injury, then, you know, you do have that, You know, I guess, uh, the confidence that you can play Geordie. But for me, I think, you know, the All Blacks have picked Roger um, based on the fact that they must see him um, as an option to be able to develop and have a, have an influence or get, have the opportunity to possibly be at a Rugby World Cup. And so um, I think the important thing he's been in that environment, been able to learn and, I guess, understand what it has to be an All Black. And let's not forget as well, you know, like he's only been you know, one super rugby campaign, you know, didn't get an opportunity to play Bunnings NPC the year previous because of COVID. But, you know, for me, it's just been able to, there's no rush right now. I think get him to be able to learn in the all black environment. He would have liked to possibly have a couple more opportunities within the rugby championship, but that's fine. It's just, due, that's just what happened. And so he'll get to go back to Bunnings NPC, and then, you know, hopefully um, if selected in the Northern hemisphere too, he'll get an opportunity to play the likes of a Japan or, or Scotland, but you know, there's still another year. You know, there's still another campaign of, um, of Super Rugby next year to evolve and to get better. But for me, I think you know he's done so well considering that he hasn't played rugby for almost a decade, and so um, you know he should be. Uh, you know, I think we should be understanding around. There's no rush at being able to give him opportunities, and hopefully, he can keep growing. And then when he does get opportunities, he's ready and can perform at that level.
3: Geordie's proven now, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he needs the opportunity, um, I, and I don't think Roger's been given a fair crack to warrant him not being selected. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think those opportunities are there for exactly um, this reason and getting a clear understanding of the squad they want to take to the World Cup and uh, he's definitely a, he's definitely in the running but you've got to give him a chance to actually put his hand up uh, and I don't think he's been given that at international level just yet. Look, look back at that quarterfinal against the Highlanders. He can play, man. He, he, he is um, he, he's he could be a real point of difference. Uh, he's got some X-factor, he's got some. He's got something you can't coach. Uh, so I, I think we'd be silly not to give him a genuine crack uh, on this interview tour.
0: Is the development opportunity for him to wear 23 rather than 12? Is that really what maybe what they're thinking, Bryn? That's the place for him at a World
2: Cup? Oh, there's so much to be able to, there's so much to go under the bridge before that before that happens. But I think, you know, at, at this stage, that's probably it. Yeah, well, it probably shows that, you know, there were three injuries sorry, David Harvilli and Quintapai injured, you know, if you thought probably at the start of the rugby championship, if that had happened, you'd think Roger would get the opportunity to to play in a test match. But, you know, they went in Geordie's, um, Geordie's direction because obviously he played well in that test match and then got the opportunity to be able to back it up. But for me, I think at this stage, that's probably it. Um, you know, whether he gets given an opportunity at, uh, against Japan or Scotland to get a start to be able to understand what that might feel like. But um, I guess at this stage in his development, they're probably 23, you know. That's, for example, you know, it's, it's a test match against England. Um, you know, you'd probably think uh, you'd go with Jordy and then have, you know, Roger off the bench again. So um, I think at this stage right now with his development, the 23 is probably um, his direction. And that's not a bad thing. Like I said, you know, the guys only played rugby for like, you know, just, uh, just under a year. So, um, you know, there's no rush for Rog. Get it to more development. Keep learning. Keep getting runs on the board, like Jip said, whether that be at Bunnings, NPC or next year at the Blues campaign, and, um, you know, make the judgment coming into the Rugby World Cup next year.
3: I think he's a perfect 23, to be honest. Mm. I, I genuinely think he could be an outsider. He's, he's, he's shown it um, in another code, but he could definitely play, you know, a, the power winger role like Caleb Clark. He could play the finesse role like Will Jordan. Um, fullback potentially as well. Like, he'll definitely have the ability in the air um, as counter-attacking. Um, you know, maybe kicking would be the only point of difference that maybe would need to be sharpened up. And then he can play in the midfield. Like, you've covered all bases with one player, really. Um, and I, I think, if, as I said before, if he can get some runs on the board and get, get given an opportunity in the midfield, which, let's be honest, is probably the two hardest positions in, in, in the game mm-hmm. um, in terms of attack and defence and, and the role you have to play. Um, if he can nail that down, I don't think you, it would be a foreign concept to slip him in, in other positions. So in terms of that 23 role, he, he would be uh, a perfect fit.
0: So with that being said, was it disappointing to see that he only got 10 or 11 minutes when that game was well and truly in the bag, Bryn? Why would they only give him 10 or 11 minutes?
2: Oh, I'm not too sure. I think, yeah, like for me, we were talking about it when watching the game, thinking, you know, the game is done and dusted here. And I know Geordie was playing really well, but for me, you know, it would have been a great opportunity to be able to... Give him 20, 25 minutes and you know give him real a real good crack to be able to influence the game and so you know even in that last game I think with how the game went it was, a, it was very stop start in the last ten minutes and wasn't really be able to get um, some meaningful minutes so yeah for me I was a little bit surprised I thought you know possibly could have come on a little bit earlier but um, you know for whatever reason Jordi was playing really really well and they possibly could have been thinking about the bonus point and been able to accumulate points with knowing that South Africa were to play but um, for me I would have liked to see him play a little bit more considering that you know I thought the game was was done and dusted but. Um yeah, so it wasn't, wasn't meant to be.
3: I won't claim this as my own um, slogan as, as such, but when I've chatted to um, ex-All Black Tony Woodcock a number of times around um, things like this, he, he just turns to me and he says, it's not a development team, mate. It's the All Blacks. Um, so, you know, you get your development at all levels and when you get your opportunity, you've got to take it in that jersey. And, and I think, um, you know, rugby championship on the line, um, plenty to play for. They were going well. Why disrupt it? Mm. So I, I have a different view on it purely because I've been called out when I've uh, posed questions like that um, to to other other players. I
0: suppose. I just had this image of Tony Woodcock giving you a look like I don't say much, mate. But what I do say. <laughs> yeah. you're you're an one, idiot. What would yeah. <laughs> <first> uh,
3: <laughs> be the first like, that's me, mate? first he... <laughs> He's not, a hurry, he's not in a hurry to talk code at the best of times. Uh, but it's fair to yeah, say the conversation wasn't
0: long. Dave Rennie, look, it was a close game over in Australia. Suddenly it's 40-14 at Eden Park where, you know, they haven't won since 1986. It's no surprise they didn't win there. It's hard to tell how they're developing, the Wallabies, right now. Bryn, do you feel like they're moving forward?
2: I think they are moving forward. Like, look, I think uh, Dave Rennie brought up a really good point um, at his post match conference is that, you know, for them at this stage to be able to compete against guys like, you know, the top four teams in the world, they've got to be at their very, very best to be able to compete and win games. And so, you know, Slipper's been talking about a level of consistency that they probably haven't had. Um, You know, they're one in one game. You know, look, they almost beat us in in Australia. And then you have a performance like they do on the weekend. Uh, where they lose by, you know, 30-odd points. And so I guess the consistency is probably the worst thing for them. But I think, again, as well, you know, with the likes of, you know, Quade Cooper and I think Samu Karibu has been a big loss for them. Um, You know, I think last year in the Rugby Championship, he was so pivotal in being able to, I guess, um, have great moments in test matches to be able to, I guess, win test matches or um, you know have positive positive, um, moments in games where, you know, they probably just missed that this year and, you know, you've got, a lot of injuries at the moment in that team and it's probably going to get even worse with those Japanese boys not being able to play in the Northern Hemisphere Tour so I think the end the year tour is probably going to be um, more of like a, a bloody and being able to have more depth going into the 2023 World Cup you'd probably have to think that's the direction they're going to go in a lot of young guys are going to get given opportunities at, at that level and so and they've got a brutal uh, brutal finish as well against, I don't know they're playing probably all the top teams in the world so um, I guess for them, it's been able to be patient and been able to, I guess, have a, have a more of a goal. Um, and, you know, they would have loved to win the rugby championship and, you know, hopefully they can be successful over the Northern Hemisphere tour. But it's bloodying these new players in. And I think having them, given them opportunities to be able to then, you know, think in the 2023 World Cup, these guys have played meaningful minutes and hopefully it sets them up very well because um, it's been a tough rugby championship for them. And I guess the points that I've said have been probably the reasons why.
3: I certainly think they have. Um, and and on the fact that you've probably laboured a couple of times there, Bryn, is they're down to their fifth or sixth player in certain positions. Quite Mm -hmm. a lot of positions, to be honest, and they're still competing. They're in the fight, they're in Mm -hmm. the contest. Um, But where they will need to improve and and somewhere that um, Dave will be looking at is, I'll use the example, and it's not, because I think this player was outstanding um, throughout the whole rugby championship, but Wright's decision to quick tap and grubber Uh, the 25th minute when the game was in the balance those are the opportunities you just can't you you can't punt on you can't gamble on they needed to kick that to the corner and try and get some points on the board and um, turn the momentum Uh, and i know he was trying to turn the momentum but it's those little decisions that cost you against the top four sides in the world Um, so uh, that 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 uh, along with getting some uh, injured players back, they, they're right in the mixer. They, they are certainly right in the mixer to, to be considered a contender for,
0: for next season's World Cup. What about the Springboks? I mean, they're ranked third in the world. They also had a mixed rugby championship with a few ups and downs. How are they tracking towards the World Cup, do you think, Chip?
3: Quite nicely, uh, especially with Willemsa. I think if they stick with him at 10, uh, they have, they hmm. have a a great balance with him like he can play their standard um, contestable kick game but then he just has the ability and you know talk about moments and big test matches and, and knowing when to you know strike while the iron's hot he just has a knack of that mm-hmm. Delende doesn't get enough plaudits for how good he is I don't reckon yeah like uh, yep. you hear you know you hear talk about we talk about midfield so much you know we just spent a long time just talking about our situation here in New Zealand but man he is just a constant Consistent force for the Springboks. He does the same at club level um, and, and to the point that I genuinely think
2: he's probably the world's best 12. You look at his ability to be able to play with the ball, and I think he actually put a lot more um, subtlety into his game, being able to. I look at last year. They use him as a bit of a crash machine in in the um, the off-the-line-out strikes or scrums just getting over the advantage line. But it was great to see his ability to be able to play out out, out the back uh, a lot this year. And so, uh, you know, with the likes of Willem and LaRue, Hondre Pollard, giving it out to LaRue out wide through the passing game um, was a great subtlety that he brought into his game. But yeah, I think, look, I think, again, the great thing about him, and even against all the Hemisphere teams, he has the ability to be able to get over the advantage line. And that's the most important thing. We looked at Geordie Barrett on the weekend. The ability to be able to do that um, it sets your team up so well to be able to play on the front foot. And like we said, if they continue to do that, and their Villaps are there, um, it's another, another way that they can keep evolving that South, African, that South African game.
0: On the other hand, the Pumas, again, show a lot of promise and very little consistency, Jipper. You
2: said at the
3: start of this comp, discipline, like 22 penalties on the weekend. Okay. Um, and and I, rec- I think the Springboks would admit that wasn't their best performance, Um, that they'd like, but had, you know, say they just gave away 12 instead of 22, they're in that game. Potentially they win it. Um, But it's their Achilles heel is is just getting that balance between, um, you know, fire in the belly, cool upstairs. Um, And and if they can get that right, every time they get it right, they win test matches. Mm. Uh, But it's just inconsistent. And then I think another real key area is like David Cudwell has been praised for the defensive um, prowess that they've shown. But I do think that the mall tries and the yellow cards given away on the weekend were um, not up to international level. So they want to make sure that their defensive, um, you know, and he has come from league, and I'm not saying it's all on him, but that, if you watch them, they're all in ones and twos. It's, it's almost like they don't have a system. Uh, and that's why it led to so many collapses and penalty tries and yellow cards. And so if they can tidy up that area, if they sort their discipline out and they can stop um, you know these big sides getting more tries, they, they're, they're another team that always peaks for a World Cup. Um, so they're not out of the running, but at the moment it's not the opposition winning games.
2: Argentina mm. almost losing it themselves. That just comes back to your own accountability of not being able to give away penalties and understanding that. So. Um, you know, whether that, you not know, maybe a solution is bringing in a mental skills coach to understand in pressure moments, to be able to try and think how can you not give away penalties and being a blue mind, blue, you know, blue headset, um, mindset, sorry, being able to be cool and calm. Um, because once they get that right, just look at the All Blacks. They tackle at 92, 93% when they make really good decisions and don't give away penalties and they beat the All Blacks, you know, so it's all there. And so hopefully they can make those changes because... Um, they can show that they can beat top teams in the world.
0: Let's talk about who is your player of the tournament, Bryn. Who did you like the most? For
2: me, it was uh, Toki Aho, I think, with what he was able to do, considering um, you know, where he's come from and like, the, the, the stuff that we said and what he brings to that All Black, uh, all black team and, I guess, the, the direction we're
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Where it needs to be in against the Northern Hemisphere teams, um, where you know, that's where we're going to face our challenges when it comes to the collision area. Um, he's a guy that um, has been world-class in that area. And I think even the set piece as well, you know, can probably, he's talked about a lot. Um, efficiency of your core roles is really important. He's done that to a very high degree, so um, you could obviously talk about Artie Sevilla, I mean, Rico Ioani again I thought he's been, he's just got better and better as this um, rugby championship's gone and you'd like to think, you know, he's the sense coming forward and the more test match that he has um, he's going to be a real big important part coming to that Rugby World Cup, but um, for me, I just think with how Toki has been um, in this rugby championship, um, he was best on park for me
0: you got a chance to take a hooker now, Jip Just just follow it All up I need to
3: <laughs> I don't need to. He was a, a, exceptional, but I think there's one guy that uh, did one better, and that's Tyrell Lomax. Um, I almost think he's he's etched his name in that three jersey uh, moving forward. His, uh, he, his game around the park, his game at set piece. You know that scrum. You saw how much um, his teammates got around him when it was Australia's ball, and uh, put them under immense pressure, and, and got a. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know where it's come from. Um, it's certainly, yeah. um, you know, it's it's not the form that probably they saw in Super Rugby, but he's he he has just made such a statement, um, in my opinion, and mm-hmm. he's a world class tighthead now.
2: Who
0: comes highly commended, Brent
2: Gonzalez from um, from Argentina? I think he was actually my newcomer. Um, I thought, look, again, he's played a few test matches, but I think with what he's done in the rugby championship, he was one that really, spot, I really enjoyed, you know, the, the sidestep on LaRue. <laughs> that'll be a couple of memes that he's going to have in South Africa, unfortunately, because um, that was a hell of a try, great footwork. And I think, um, you know, we talked about Kremer and Pablo, you know, more custom um, guys that we do know, but I think his performances throughout uh, the rugby championship, what he can bring long-term, um, he's one guy that I thought was outstanding. And then I actually had Pete Samu, I know he didn't play number seven at the start of the year, but I think um, his ability to be able to, with Michael Hooper being out, um, an ability that he has as a number seven, and I think with where the game's going, whether Michael Hooper comes back or not, the collision area is really big. You know, we've seen Scott Barrett move to six because for that, um, for that exact reason, I thought Pete Samu, his injection and what he brought into that number seven jersey was massive. Um, especially in that game in Australia, but even on the weekend as well. So, um, and then Malcolm Marks as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mate, I was honestly going to give him player of the tournament, and I just thought like, I'm, I'm just fanboying far too much. <laughs> um, but he was he was outstanding. I think um, you know Geordie has to have a have a notable mention mm-hmm. his ability and his ability to move into that midfield. Willem, so we've spoken about uh, Pete Samu is another one, but. Sort of a guy that uh, missed selection but got an opportunity through injury, and I think he's put himself back on the mat, this is Reese Hodge. Oh, I, th- I think he's, um, he's a key cog for, for the Wallabies in his ability to play 15, first receiver, uh, great in the air, uh, really good you know, long kicker in terms of uh, picking up three points here and there. So I think he was um, really strong. Um, I think it, it's the best I've seen Sia Khaleesi play. Um, in, a, in a long time yeah. uh, in terms of a big stretch um, so he's, he's, he's key to that Springbok side being the very best and he was at his very best throughout this tournament and that's what gave them um, the potential opportunity of, of winning um, and then I'm interested on this from Bryn but from my um, lens is yeah. Bertrino. Bertrino um the 9 for Argentina he, he, almost the form 9 of the comp would you say?
2: Yeah, I had, it was between him and Hendrixer. I think um, you know I thought considering you know you've got Faf de a world class and um, World Cup in nine, to be able to keep him um, you know on the bench is a testament to how well he's playing. But yeah, I love Bertrino. He's um, abrasive in contact when he does attack the line. He's got a great running game, and I was also impressed with his kicking game. You know, Cubelli's in the squad. You know, you predominantly think it would be the better kicking on, but I thought Bertrino with Karate as well. They've got a nice sort of combination going on with their kick game and opportunities that they can. Um, exert pressure through their kicking game. But yeah, he's one guy that I thoroughly enjoyed watching and really looking forward to seeing his progression through the international stage and even, you know, leading up to the Rugby World Cup with Canadis as well, which is great to have a young 10 coming through. Um, and, you know, you'd like to think those two those those two guys will be really focal in Argentina for the next next couple, couple of years.
0: One of the standout things from this tournament has been the emotion that's been brought out of the fans by the referees' decisions, and I suppose the laws that the referees have to um, adjudicate on. It seems like week in, week out, the comment section on our comments on, on YouTube are just lighting up. People are furious. And I don't know whether it's because that's the way the world is now, and you can be, you know, red or blue politically, and it's all just, you know, gr- there's no grey area with anything anymore. But people seem to be absolutely irate with referees. And again on the weekend we saw Ibn Edzibeth get yellow-carded when he was pushing a player who was escorting um, a man going up in the air. So I suppose the question is twofold. One, let's start with the decision. And two, then let's talk about people's reactions and whether or not they just need to cool down about the refereeing stuff. So firstly, Ebenet Beth, Bryn. Was that a yellow card?
2: I, I didn't think so. I think, I've seen some pretty bad ones around, like I think, you know, with the escorting and um, players have done that in the past, we actually do push them right into the person and, you know, you can obviously take their legs and they can end up, you know, getting in a really bad situation. But for me, I thought, you know, it wasn't a yellow card, or probably a penalty at, at best, but even then it's, it's arguable. But I think, for me, it's just like, it's going to get to a stage where we're going to be at a rugby world cup, and you know whether the refereeing style um, of different, because look, to be honest, different countries referee the different uh, referee the game differently, and so for me, really, it's going to be a point now where I think it's going to be the best team that's able to adapt, and I guess in game being able to try and adapt to refs and how they're refereeing the game because they're going to happen. Yellow cards, red cards, is going to be causing World Rugby World Cups moving forward that um, are going to happen because with how the game is going, how it's officiated. Like, look, there were six there were six yellow cards on the weekend with um, the South Africans and the Argentinians. You know, so um, unfortunately, it just is where the game is at the moment. And I think, like I've said a couple of times previous on this, it's in game and being able to adapt to the ref that you are have, and who can do that the best at, um, at the World Cup, I think is going to be really the best chance of winning it because, yeah, like you said, there is there is no grey area and it seems like anything 50-50 or even like 60-40 is getting penalised and there's yellow cards going left, right and centre in, in test matches, which is frustrating for viewers, I can only imagine. you, you Like you said, Ross, it's frustrating to see when you're seeing um, you, you, lots of yellow cards coming in games.
0: Uh, how do you fix it, Jip? Yep.
3: Yeah, I suppose with the Etzabeth one, I, I struggled with it in the sense that it's almost rewarding negative play because we all know what we're, mm. what players are trying to do with the escorting. Um, they're trying to provide a pocket for it to be not a contestable kick. Um, so you mm. can see where Edsbeth was. He was he was genuinely being blocked. I don't think the option is to push players into the guy in the air, because we all know that's going to end in tears. Um, mm. But giving a yellow card to Edsbeth almost rewards the player that's doing the blocking. So mm. what you're saying there is if I'm a player, I'm thinking as a player, I'd be like, okay, well, that's I'm gonna. If I do that and I do it well, I'm potentially going to give a non-contestable kick, and I could get a penalty and/or yellow card if I do it really, really well. And that's the only that was the only concern I had with the call. Um, I just I don't like. How do we change it? Is just accept that every game is going to be different. Like, I, I do want to come into that mm. for the referees because every, I, don't, I don't care if it's inconsistent week to week. I never did as a player. If it was inconsistent within that 80 minutes, definitely I had frustration. Uh, if you call it in the first minute, you call it in the 79th. It shouldn't be. But week to week, part of a player's um, strength or part of being world class is your ability to adjust to the ref. Richie McCaw was the best at it, and that was his biggest point of Is He just had an ability to adjust to the situation and the way the rules were interpreted by a ref every single week. Um, And I think people have just got to come to terms with it's not going to be consistent, it can't be. uh, uh, And also, we don't have a long line of refs queuing up because of this as well. Um, And they are very, very critical to us all enjoying this game that we love.
0: That list could get shorter and shorter if... The reactions are the same. I mean, and we've seen it. 100%. From Rassia Rasmus' video mm-hmm. to Artie and Aaron Smith having pots and in, um, post-match interviews to South African Rugby magazine running polls on whether you
2: thought the ref was good on the weekend.
0: These guys are under fire, Bryn.
2: Yeah, they are. And I guess that's just part and parcel of where it is at the moment. I guess whether this will happen or not probably won't. Like You look at um, the ability of coaches, right? Coaches and players, when it comes to the media, they come out and speak around when they've made mistakes or done something wrong. You know, um, whether you might, you guys might th- think differently, but, you know, for me, if, you know, if it's a big corner test match and something's wrong, and it's blatantly wrong, and they come out and actually say, you know what, we're at fault here. Uh, we got the decision wrong. For me as a player, I'd, you know, it'd take it takes a lot easier to be able to understand that and just say, oh, right, they've taken some accountability and responsibility here. Look, and whether that's the right decision or not. Um, but for me, you know, I'd love to see that some some side of the of the risk being able to do that because it shows accountability and shows that they um, are human and they're making mistakes. So, um, you could be a little bit different uh, different around that, but um, I guess it's one area why I wouldn't mind seeing it come out.
3: No, well, I've I've done um, some work with a, a number of the referees around Super Rugby Pacific and certain things we're looking at, and they actually just want their opportunity to explain. So, why? why mm you know, to, for them, they never get an aftermatch interview to say, oh, this is what I was thinking, yep. this is how I... So they never actually get to uh, control the narrative. They just get absolutely slated with no opportunity to say, um, this is actually what I was thinking, and this is actually the rule that um, it applies to. So I think the more, and I think they're up for it, well, certainly in this hemisphere, the rest are up for, um, you know, potentially having a post-match interview and, and talking things through. Uh, and I think that could That'd be a be great, great addition yeah. to the game and understanding yep. of the way the uh, the laws are applied in a referees mindset.
0: It's an mm. interesting concept there. I think it was tried a few years ago and then it it's kind of went away, didn't it? They tried putting, mic- well, we've already got mics, but cameras on them and all sorts of things as well. I, I suppose the counter-argument to that is that they get a really good chance to explain themselves because they've got... 14 cameras on them and a microphone and whenever they make a big decision we can hear the communications that they're having with their um, touchies and their tmo so i suppose in hindsight it's good to maybe go do you think you got it right or wrong but the actual explanation itself is is well and truly out there
2: but i think as well you know ross you think about you think about like um no different from players or coaches that come out you know one day or two days later you know you'd be able to review your game and at that, at that time they might have thought you know i've made the right decision here you go through all the kind of talks you had with your ar at the time or your video analysis guy i'm um, video and tmo but you know coming two days later and say you know what through all the information that i've got you know i made the wrong decision and you own up for it you know i could imagine a lot of those refs like jip said would like have the ability to be able to come out and say that and been able to you know say i got it wrong and i guess as players or people would be like oh you know we actually love hearing that and being able to hear a bit of accountability and, you know, the fact that they do care and people make mistakes. Look, people make mistakes, you know, and so I think it's a great avenue to be able to give them opportunity if they do feel they want to do that. Um, It's a great way, you know, you love hearing from coaches after post-match conferences or um, games and press conferences. So no different from ref, it's a big decision in a game, um, you know. Imagine – after that Wallabies game.
0: But whatever happened till you, win some, you lose some. You know, over the period of a season, you'll, you'll cop some and it'll even itself out over time. From a fan's point of view and seeing the reactions, especially, I mean, maybe the Reynal decision on one hand because that, that affected the winner and the loser of the game. But when you look at the reactions now, whether it's even it's best yellow card or Sam Whitelock's try or non-try, whether he was holding that ball, these are decisions that aren't affecting the winning and losing of the game. You win some, you lose some. Get over it.
3: I think yeah. I like the engagement. If it's, I don't know, I know that sounds strange, but our game is struggling a little bit, and if the more engagement we can have, positive or negative, um, it's a good thing for for the game and it keeps it alive.
0: That can be taken to the next level because if the passion of the fans on particular topics is listened to, then the game can improve. You know, And that's it. Those loud voices have to be listened to. It has to get into whatever World Rugby Committee that uh, that makes the decisions on these laws or how the laws are ruled on. And then we can move forward. We've got the engagement. Now let's have the game that we want. Certainly it's been a colourful one, I think, both on and off the field. I think that's been the best thing about this rugby championship. The story on the field and the story off the
2: field are equally as interesting. Oh, there's been drama, mate. There's been drama as well. How like how good? <laughs> yeah. Like, you just think we're in Fozzie you just... for about two, three weeks, so it's been everything.
0: Yeah, now, now I was talking about him.
3: No, I know, and that's so funny. You think you just think pre the All Blacks going to South Africa, the pressure and the, the heat, and now for Fozzy to walk away with both trophies, you've got to tip mm. your hat to him for the pressure that he was under. And, and he he didn't blink at any stage either. Like he was, he just fronted up. Um, so I hope he's, you know, taking a well-deserved few days off before he focus on the Northern um, tour because man, he's earned it.
0: You look forward to the World Cup and in a hypothetical situation that the All Blacks were to win the World Cup it'll be really interesting to see what the conversation about Ian Foster is. Is Ian Foster the heroic All Blacks World Cup winning coach or is Joe Schmidt <laughs> the guy, you know? Yeah, what will sure. that conversation be? Will people yeah. be like, well, you needed these two? Or will people be like, no, well, you did it. This is yours. This is your trophy.
2: I know we've been at a stage where obviously it wasn't to the point where um, we've had a situation like um, Fozzie before. But, you know, look back in 2009, you know, when um, Graeme Henry was the coach, you know, he obviously lost the World Cup in 2007, 2009, I think we lost to South Africa three times, mm. you know, and then we come back and win the Rugby World Cup in 2011, and he's ended up being a knight, and he's got gigs left, right and centre, loop winning that Rugby World Cup, you know, so um, again, if, if it can be done, you know, the great thing, you know, there, is, there must be belief in that group now, and even us as Kiwis as well, because we've seen growth in the areas that we've wanted to see that we didn't see at the Northern Hemisphere tour, so you'd like to think that they'll, um, they'll keep improving and see the um, the consistency hopefully at the back end of the season um, it's always tough in the northern hemisphere it's a long season for us and no different from when the Irish came down here to the back end of the year but um, you know winning two championships rugby championship and keeping the Though more importantly um, you probably weren't saying that Ross you definitely weren't saying that Ross you were thinking Australia were going to win
0: you know so yeah <laughs> uh, I don't think that was great you know? he hasn't let you forget that
3: has he Ross <laughs> <laughs>
0: At the time, he was like, hey, 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 hey. I I still don't think it was a crazy call. Like, at the time when you stacked it up. But, you know, things have changed somewhat. And they seem to change each week. And that's why it's hard not to be knee-jerk. Because in a championship where one week you're awful, the next week you're amazing, the next week you're awful, the next week you're amazing, like the All Blacks were, what are you supposed to think?
3: Yeah, I think all sides went through that, didn't they? You know, like they'd front Mm. and they didn't front. And um, I think for the All Blacks in particular... Uh, I think their belief in themselves and what they're trying to achieve will be so much stronger coming out the other side of that pressure cooker
0: Mm, because, man,
3: it was intense.
0: It was. We can draw some really serious parallels between the All Blacks and the Black Ferns right now because the Black Ferns were in a very similar situation. They went over on their Northern Hemisphere tour. They lost to the, the English and the French women, and they lost badly. They weren't even in the game. Here we are. There's been some coaching changes. There's been some changes to approach culturally. And there's been some changes to the personnel. On the weekend, they beat Japan 95 12, which, you know, should be relatively expected a big victory because the Japanese are what ranked 13 in the world and they've never played each other before. You'd expect a big win. But they have made massive improvements. And where do you think, Bryn? they sit now heading into their World Cup which starts on October 8th it's only a few weeks away
2: well look I think you know you, you, we talk around Wayne Smith and the level of coaching that he's had and I guess the biggest thing that you know I'd love to see is yes sometime obviously, you look at the Northern Hemisphere girls when they did play up there before that they didn't have a lot of time together You know, let's not forget that you know there was COVID restrictions and they weren't able to be able to play consistently, consistently, and so um, this is what happens when you're giving the girls opportunities to be able to play test matches and been able to work things out, and have that you know level of um, of games every single every single week and being able to play. And so, the improvements that I'd love to see is the ability that they they're going to have to how they're going to have to play against Northern Hemisphere teams. As winning the breakdown area is going to be crucial and being able to get against the likes of England and France. But their attacking ability of how they've been able to play, whether it be through the tips through contact. Um, the ability to play out the back, the attacking kicks that we saw a little bit on the weekend, which I liked. Um, That kind of involvement that Wayne Smith has brought into that group. And so um, it's all there for them. Um, But I think, you know, um, do they go in as favourites? I don't think so. You know, England haven't lost a test match in in, in how long, but the confidence that they should have and the the improvements that they've made from their Northern Hemisphere too has been great. And And what I did like on the weekend is seeing the likes of those seven girls come back and being able to influence in games. Portia Woodman you know, if you can give her time and space and with how they have been playing, winning the breakdown area, and I know it was against um, Japanese, but when they played with um, the Wallaroos, when they did get that right, they can give the likes of, you know, Flula, who came on as well, and even Aisha, who's been there as well, Ruby Tui, who's been great coming from the sevens. Um, so it's all there. It's just been able to, can they do it? physically and set piece as well against these, the likes of England and France but a great, a great way of a great learning and great improvement from the Northern Hemisphere Tour that where they didn't perform at all.
3: What I love the most about it is it's almost like the scoreboard wasn't there so they were just yeah. as relentless and ruthless when it was 0-0 when it was 95 um, and I think that's the biggest sign that they are so focused and zoned in for what's coming uh, and they're so ready and, uh, and, and it's just classic Wayne Smith style. It's just, you know, you, he is just a coach that instills belief, but he also instills a, an edge that you just, you can't, you don't you don't button off until that full-time hoover. You know, you always leave a little bit of yourself out there. Um, yeah, I think it's his quote that he says, um, you know, the fans don't really care about the result. They just want to see that you leave a little bit of yourself out there. And it's so true, you know. Like you can accept a defeat if if you've emptied the tank and you, you know there's a bit of claret, and it, that's what it looked like to me. It just looked like a team that didn't care what the score was. They were going to be efficient in all their roles and everything until the end.
0: And they're adding things to their game. for me, you know, mm. seeing an attacking kick. I think it was Hazel, Hazel Tubick coming in. And, and, and putting in an attack and kick from first receiver across the field. It's not something I think I've really seen from them in recent times.
2: That's the Wayne, the Wayne Smith impact. And, you know, as a player, I think, you know, I look at my time as an example. You know, when I was at the Blues and I guess the attention to detail that at that stage, and it's not like that I was now, but at that stage probably was lacking. And so going down south and understanding what coach, what really great coaching is and what that can do for you as a player when it comes to, knowing your role everybody has the expectation to know your role and it really becomes very very simple because all you have to worry about is nailing your role every single time and so when you've got that attention to detail and you can see it in the girls you know you look at the animation when it comes to their tip play with their forwards they're all running the same role they're all running the same tip lines they're running square they're out the back there's animation off that and so that comes back to repetition and understanding and knowing your game plan to a T. And, you know, Wayne Smith is a very attention-to-detail man and it's great around computer work. And so you look at the analysis that those girls are probably learning not only on the field but the training paddock when it comes to um, coming reviewing games and reviewing trainings every single day. Um, You can see the growth in that woman's side. And hopefully, you know, I'm not too sure what he's doing after the World Cup, but if he can keep staying around, um, it's a great growth movement for our women and players moving forward.
3: I'll I'll let that little swipe at the Blues go today. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, just got winded from that we did it. The nice straight paper. into the gap. <laughs> this
4: is my my,
3: my experience. Not <laughs> like if it now. Was it. If, if I was, if if I was like in the studio, now. I'd storm out. <laughs>
0: It's not like that now because they've added some Crusaders to the rag. Is that what you just said? <laughs> no, no, just, he's he's on fire today. He's on fire today. <laughs> <laughs> Holy dood. Very good. Got the courage
2: of the Japanese, mate. Blossom.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. They start their tournament against Australia in October 8. The French play South Africa. The English play Fiji. So we'll get a good feel for how those three teams who really are probably the only three teams in with a sniff of of winning the whole thing. Um, See how they line up. Um, It should be very, very interesting at that point. Back to New Zealand domestically. The NPC, there are some interesting movements going on in that competition. We're seeing big movement from Wellington, six wins in a row, and I don't want to say it, but I have to say it out loud, North Harbour. I, I think North Harbour get more coverage in this particular podcast than they do like in the rest of the media (laughs) combined but (laughs) those two teams are moving into a position where they can have a solid crack at being finalists they're
3: on a run both sides like I was seriously impressed I spent a uh, a brief um, moment with the Waikato team last week before that shield challenge and they they were they were pretty confident going down there they had every um, you know a hundred percent fit squad to pick from and i I didn't see that result coming but it's almost like the shields brought the best out of Wellington they um, you know they are unearthing some talent but they've got some experienced guys in there um, that know how to win titles in Savia and, and, and uh, TJ so I think they they're really um, you know looking looking hot for for an opportunity and I think the same with harbor they're just coming right at the same time um, you know they've They've sorted out their issues up front in terms of scrum and line-out uh, and providing the ball they need. And then that back three, I, I don't think there's a better back three in the comp. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry,
2: <laughs> how can you not be happy with those guys? We're just um, man, Tavita Lee. I wonder if he's um, staying in Japan or come. Is he staying going? Back yeah, to he's Japan? got a.
3: He's he's funnily enough, he actually asked me the other day if he could be eligible for the All Blacks 15. And um, I said, well, if you don't go back to Japan yeah you can um, <laughs> but um, no no he's he's going back up there um, but it's, yeah it'd be great if we could get him back in the super squad that's for sure
2: even like a minor Pacifica you know that'd be a great um, great possibility if he come back and play for them um, but yeah
3: I think we'd be um, we'd be foolish not to mention Canterbury 38 points yeah um, you know a, a, a big battle against Auckland um I don't know. It's theirs to lose at the moment. I think like Wellington—they're coming strong, Sower Harbour. But if they get that home final, because they're probably going to end up with the most points. So if they get that home final, shoot, it will be hard. It, it, it's it's theirs um, to lose, as I say.
0: Just like the rugby championship was Australia's to lose. Um, <laughs> so you're telling me there's a
2: chance? Formula mate.
0: Luckily, I'm not the one doing the tipping here, so it's probably you're Fair right. Enough. You've been right until now.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. That 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 two zero um, call still haunts me about uh, All Blacks going to South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we
2: came we came back strong. We came back strong, mate.
0: We
3: came, yeah, we did.
0: Right, yeah, okay, thanks, friend. Thanks, Chip. Uh, See you all again next week, and thank you very much for watching the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. We'll see you again next weekend. Enjoy your footy this weekend.
2: Come on, Harbour. (laughs) Come on.